say to me, stick to civil rights, have another answer. Others can do what they want to do. That's their business. Other civil rights leaders, for various reasons, refuse or can't take a stand or have to go along with the administration. That's their business. But I'm a clear that I know that justice is indivisible. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Ladies and gentlemen of America, this is AJC Radio, where we search for justice all around the world. Tonight, part two to our uh, show from last week, A Nation Divided, Making a Difference in This Country and the Racial Divide That Really Keeps Us Apart. Tonight, a very special interviewing guest, Tamika Palmer, the mother of Breonna Taylor, joins us live in studio to discuss the condition of a nation and the tragedy that she has had to endure. Folks, hang on to your seats. This is AJC Radio. We take off right now. There you have it. I'm Lamont Banks along with David Banks, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, Dave Zapolo, Samson Riddle, Dennis Merritt, Quentin Stewart, Cliff Stewart as well, and the entire AJC radio team as we again go down this road to discuss a nation divided, and we're going to get into that discussion tonight. And uh, we want to give you an opportunity to call in to the show. Uh, that call in number is 646-200-0628, 646-200-0628. Zero six two eight and David, I'll, I'll address this question to you. Uh, Brianna Taylor, we talked in brief last week about the tragedy of that killing, if you will. Um, and again, we're very honored to, to be bringing on tonight here shortly uh, Tamika Palmer, who is the mother of Brianna Taylor. How important is that we get this message out that others might be informed of the condition, really? of a nation divided. Well, it's absolutely critical that this message gets out. Um, <clears throat> it's just another example of the police, the methodology and the mentality of uh, policing in this country. Brianna uh, <clears throat> uh, Taylor was a tragedy because it was completely unavoidable. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll, America needs to know these things continue to happen. And if you really look at policing. We got a little background in policing and working with police, and we can talk a little bit about their uh, their ethos, uh, to say the least. But America needs to understand that the overall thinking and culture of policing needs to change in this country. The way they think and the way they respond and the methods they use are unacceptable, and it creates, uh, it, it's what's created uh, systemic racism in the, actual, in the actual system of policing. No, absolutely right, and uh, it's something that you have to have the discussion about, uh, and as I had the opportunity to talk to Brianna Taylor's mother, Tamika, uh, earlier this week, i tell you what, my heart broke uh, to have a situation where, the mother, where a mother loses her child, and in such a tragic way, 
Um, it is important that we as a nation, as people, as human beings understand uh, there are people hurting in this country as a result of the systematic problems that we have. And we can turn a blind eye and say, you know what, it's not that bad. It is more than that bad. And it continues, as we know from last summer, as we talked about last week, the number of people that were in body bags over the last few years in this country because someone did what they should not have done. The due process of what should have taken place, the protocols that should have taken place in the situation with Breonna Taylor is absolutely insane to me, and those protocols were not followed. That is what we talk about all the time uh, in regards to a culture being set where it's as solid as stone until we begin to lift our voice and to bring awareness uh, to people regarding this issue. David Apollo, give me your thoughts on it. When you look and see everything that's been going on in the world, people have to wake up and see that the police are targeting black men, black women, black children, whether it's a security officer in a school that slams a 13-year-old girl down to the ground or a police officer that, um, that pepper sprays a teenager in the back of a, a police car. This is too much. Something has to change, and people have to demand that change because, obviously, the police departments aren't doing it on their own. They're really not. Uh, Kendrick, your thoughts? It, it just goes into not only policing, but their hiring practices. I mean, they, they, they hire uh, people who say they want to protect the law and the citizens of whatever city or state they're in, but then you find out that when they dig a little deeper – they have their personal biases and prejudices that they bring to their job. And as in most jobs, when people hire, they hire people that are like them and like-minded. And I don't think that uh, policing nowadays does enough to vet and to diversify their staff and the other people that they hire. And when you look at the Breonna Taylor case, they got away, they got away scot-free with murder. And then, they, and then they blamed her as the victim. It's like, she can't speak for herself, and that's becoming this running theme of, well, we're going to blame the victim because they were just at the wrong place at the wrong time. But it's like, I'm in my own house sleeping. Right. How, how the, then is, is uh, the person in their own house at fault for what a police officer did? It's just, I mean, things have to change. Just to get to the point, it's critical. It has to change. No, absolutely right. And look, uh, if, you're, if you're at home at night, uh, someone comes, kicks your door down, pushes the door in to get entry to your residence in civilian clothes, nor were they identified as police officers, perhaps startled out of a, uh, out of a dead sleep. Well, and the gentleman uh, had a permit and a license to, to have that weapon. So any one of us in any situation, if you hear your door being kicked in in the middle of the night, you don't know if they're coming to hurt you, to rob you, to kill you. So his reaction was exactly what it should have been. Well, look at look what happened at the Capitol. Same thing. Uh, Absolutely. People kicking the door in. How do you think people react? So how do you think any normal, sane, reasonable human being will react if you don't if you don't announce yourself? I mean, I don't know why they just didn't ring the doorbell. It's well, you know it was a no knock yeah. warrant. It's what the, how they explained it. Uh, so if it's an apartment or whatever, if you're in an apartment, you don't normally have a doorbell, but the bottom line is what, what they have been saying, the critics have said about it, is that 
They didn't do their due process of investigating that the bottom line is there was no uh, intelligence that told them that this place was a place that had drugs. You mean, the person I understand had already been arrested in regards to the drug. And it was a totally different person that had been apprehended in regards to that, but no communication between the police department, other detectives, other people on the force to say, wait a minute. And my understanding is if you go to a location, everything is documented. Listen, we're headed to this address. We believe this to be the problem. My understanding from what everyone is saying, at least that I've researched, is that none of those protocols were followed. None of them. Samson. No, you're absolutely right, Lamont. And the thing is, like, they had the no the no knock warrant for her prior boyfriend or who who was yeah, like you said, he was nowhere around, hadn't been around for months. They didn't do their due process, but the fact of the matter is, is that it's systemic with the police force around our nation. I mean, I mean, look, look at the, what happened here in Aurora in our own backyard. The family was on the ground on hot pavement. I'm talking about kids, four children, and I believe it was their mom, face down on the pavement, and they didn't follow their process for even verifying that. The vehicle that they're looking for is the one that's being pulled over and everybody's being dragged out and treated like less than human beings. They were supposed to be looking for a motorcycle. They pull over a minivan. How do you make that big of an egregious error? It's because the simple fact of the matter is, is whether we want to admit it or not, police around this nation are targeting people of color. That's what they're doing. And the fact of the matter is if they can point the finger, they're going to do it. They're going to blame the victim after the victim's already dead, and they'd rather just stack up body bags than follow what they're supposed to do in order to uphold the law. Well, make no mistake about it. Uh, every officer on the force is not uh, a vigilante. That's not what they are. The problem is what we have to address is other people that are doing these things, making these things happen, and killing our young people, our African-American men and women across this country. That is something we have to deal with. Uh, on the other side of the break, we're going to be joined by Tamika Homer, the mother of Brianna Taylor. You don't want to miss that. She has something to say. This is AJC Radio. Again, feel free to dial in tonight, folks. 646-200-0628. 646-200-0628. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. We have a big problem. And we need your help. It's happening on college campuses, at bars, at parties, even in high schools. It's happening to our sisters and our daughters. Our wives and our friends. It's called sexual assault, and it has to stop. We have to stop it. So listen up. If she doesn't consent, or if she can't consent, it's rape, it's assault. It's a crime. It's wrong. If I saw it happening, I was taught you have to do something about it. If I saw it happening, I'd speak up. If I saw it happening, I'd never blame her. I'd help her. Because I don't want to be a part of the problem. I want to be a part of the solution. We need all of you to be part of the solution. This is about respect. It's about responsibility. It's up to all of us to put an end to sexual assault. And that starts with you. Because one is too many. Diversity is a huge part of our society. We need it. It's instrumental, invaluable. If you leave out certain people, you then in turn really limit creativity and society's ability to solve problems. That's what we can do in the next four years. Our world is not singular. There are so many voices and experiences that deserve to be heard and expressed. 
Diversity is really the key to life. Without diversity, life becomes stagnant. It acknowledges and values the importance of everyone, which makes us as a country even better. Martin Luther King, he had a dream. It was for everybody to be united. To stand up for freedom together. Without diversity, there's no progress. And that's what black history is. Black history. More than a month. Good morning, students, and welcome to Career Day. I hope you're excited to hear about all the great things you can do when you grow up. Hi, everyone. I'm Emily. I'm super excited to introduce my dad because he's my hero. When I was little, my dad was away a lot, but I was okay with that because he was doing this really important work driving ambulances in Iraq. Now he's at home, which is great for me because I get to see him every day now. And he's still the biggest hero I know because he tells all the ambulances and the fire engines where to go and rescue people when there's an emergency. I'm so proud of him. He's awesome. He's my dad. If your service-connected disability prevents you from continuing in your civilian career, Voc Rehab offers counseling, training with a living allowance, education, and other services to help prepare you for your next mission. The criminal justice system has a set of rights created to protect you. But do you think it's really protecting us? You had a right to remain silent. But that really means you had a right to be silent, doubted, interrogated, suspected. The color of your skin can and will be used against you in the court of law. And their hands were incarcerated five times more often than white people convicted for the same crime. You have a right to attorney during questioning. In some states, 80% of criminal defendants can't even afford an attorney. So an overworked public defender controls your fate. One government employee, countless lives at stake. You had a right to be innocent until proven guilty. But somehow, about 47% of the wrongly convicted are black. And if they do prove you're guilty, they're going to write you a run-on sentence on average 20% longer than white defendants accused of the same crime. Even if you get out, you're still not free. When you're an ex-con, they had a right to deny you a bank account, deny you a mortgage, deny you a job, deny your vote. And if you don't remain perfect with the smallest slip-up, smallest infraction, the most honest mistake, you're going to join us, the 80% who come back to prison within five years, as I did. That's when you realize they didn't bring us here to thrive. They brought us here to build this. The plantation and the prison are actually no different. The past is the present. It ain't no coincidence. This was the plan since abolition, to keep us subjugated by creating this system. But I believe in a different set of rights. The right to stand up and be heard. The right to reform a broken justice system and build a new future. We had the right to be silent. Now it's our right to speak up. Do you understand these rights as I read them to you? Here are 50 white guys. Here are 50 black guys. Here's how many white guys can expect to go to prison in their lifetime. The chances amount to one out of 17. Now here's how many black guys can expect the same thing. The chances are one out of three. Why? Lots of reasons. It's complicated. 
But one thing is clear, there's racial bias at every level of the criminal justice system. When blacks and whites commit the same kind of crimes, blacks are more likely to be arrested. Once arrested, they're more likely to be convicted. Once convicted, they're more likely to serve longer sentences. Look at the numbers in America's so-called war on drugs. About 14% of American drug users are black, as are about a quarter of drug sellers. Yet blacks are 34% of the people arrested for drug crimes. And those convicted of drug crimes, 46% are black. By the time we factor in sentencing, there are actually more black drug offenders than white ones in state prisons and in federal prisons. In the end, the incarceration rate for drug crimes is 10 times higher for blacks than it is for whites. These are the facts. Racial disparity in America's war on drugs is one big reason that one out of three black men can expect to go to prison in their lifetime. Momentarily, we're going to be joined by Tamika Homer, the mother of Breonna Taylor. I've had the privilege and the honor of talking to her this week in regards to what tragedy and a needless death uh, in her losing her daughter, uh, Breonna Taylor, to a senseless act uh, that people are still trying to figure out what went wrong here. Uh, this is one of the most horrific things, I think, uh, that a mother would have to deal with uh, in that type of a death uh, and removal of life, if you will, from her daughter. Um, it's something that is absolutely unnecessary. Uh, we have been talking for since last week in regards to the division in this country along racial lines. Uh, how is it that police officers who are trained to proceed with caution in situations and to be sure of those actions, that they are what they need to be, uh, where do we go from here in regards to that? That's something that's very, very important. Uh, we're going to get into that discussion. Uh, Dennis, give me your thoughts on that, uh, the Breonna Taylor uh, situation, and what do we need to do to get past uh, these type of uh, events taking place in our country? Uh, I, I mean, that, that situation was totally, uh, it, it could have been avoided. Uh, first of all, if you think about it, uh, it's, 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 it's as though the police officers went to that house uh, with one thing in mind, and that was, uh, you know, finding the person uh, that supposedly was the culprit. But when you look at it, there has to be accountability and consequences. And until we do that, until police officers pay for what they so-called mistakes, I mean, it's got to be in black and white. Uh, you kill somebody. Uh, and, and there was no justification for doing it, something needs to happen. And if it doesn't, if we don't start putting laws in place to make this happen, we're going to continue to see Eric Gardner's, uh, Rihanna Taylor, we're going to continue to see uh, our black uh, uh, men and women uh, killed needlessly. It's because it's this attitude that 
I was I was scared. I was uh, you know scared for my life. I was trying to protect my partner. I mean, even when we talk about, I, I'm a military you know guy from the back, and I was the infantry, and we were taught deadly force and when to use it. And I mean, at all costs, you would avoid using deadly force because you could pay for it. I mean, we're talking about going against our enemy, not against fellow citizens. But yet, in this United States of America, with the police, our, our police needs policing. And I'm not talking about, you know, uh, you know, getting rid of police officers. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there has to be accountability. You take a life, you better be able to justify why you took that life. I mean, if you could not have, if you could have maimed them or put them down in some other way, that's what we should be doing. But of course, again, it's just saying that you know I feared for my life. This, 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 this uh, you know, gentleman uh, uh, cost me fear. And we just have to put laws in place to cause accountability. And then, if you take a life and it's not justified, you're gonna have to pay for it. Well, Dennis, you're absolutely right, dude. Like, uh, I'm sitting here thinking, like going over the situation as well like looking at the story and like like we said there before the break like they did not do anything as far as like gathering intelligence and like again it seems pervasive in the whole system but i mean there has to be something done i think brianna's law that is going to be a good good step forward in that oh absolutely right and uh we're going to keep searching until we find the answers that we need to find uh and i think what needs to be pointed out that's necessary according to the reports you have hundreds of theories of what happened here all over the place. From the time the death of this young lady took place, the hundreds of theories came out in regards to this situation. Okay? So at the end of the day, this was a life that could have been saved. The law enforcement people who chimed in on this case, it was a needless way to act in a situation. Uh, and as a result, an innocent person was killed. That's what we're addressing tonight. Is there a culture problem in the police departments across this country that due diligence, before you go into any place, my understanding is if, you're, if you got a drug dealer or dealers are doing whatever in a, in a safe house, wherever they are, a stash house, whatever you want to call it, is that a reason for a death sentence? I don't think so. It's not, it's not a death sentence. And these are things, and I mean, retired law enforcement folks made the statement as well. We need to have a discussion. We need, there's an issue with training. What could have been done to avoid this tragedy? That is what AJC must deal with and must address. And right now, we're going to get the insight of Tamika Palmer. Uh, she's getting ready to join us now. Tamika, are you with us? I am. Uh, you're the mother. Uh, of this young lady, let me first say we are very honored to have you on our show. I expect people to call in on both sides that say they'll defend the actions of these police officers. I don't defend that in any way. That that is, there's no way this innocent girl, your daughter's life should have been taken. And by the time everybody wants to put a theory on it, it's to cloud a, take away. Look, something else happened here. Therefore, we don't have to hold these officers accountable for anything, because as long as we can say a narrative and believe that narrative to be true, you can make an argument and take your position that defends law enforcement or that defends Breonna Taylor. I know one thing is a fact. Breonna Taylor was innocent. Her life should not have been taken. That's the bottom line. 
And so, uh, Tamika, I, I, I thank you again for joining us tonight uh, out of your schedule. Um, how are you hanging in there? Uh, I'm here. You know, every day is a struggle, of course, but I get yeah. up and I keep doing well, we're, we're grateful. Uh, we're grateful for, uh, again, out of all that situation, I can't imagine the pain uh, that you have dealt with in your family. Uh, prayers and thoughts continually are going to be with you and your family. Uh, and I think people all over the country empathize uh, with what has happened. Uh, I'd like to, if, it, if there's something that uh, is, I know we talked earlier today, I want to be very respectful of your situation, of your feelings. Uh, to know that we are on this show for one reason, to say to Rihanna Taylor, her family, and you as her mother, that we are so very sorry, and what you have to say is important, uh, to have a conversation about why this has happened. And so I'm going to try to go down, and our listeners go down and hear from you, uh, your, your feelings at the time when these things were going on, I can't imagine what they are. We're going to try to get a little bit, paint a picture, if you will, uh, for the listeners that why, and I'll ask you, I'll start with this question. As we talk about Breonna Taylor, uh, a lot of people came out and protested her death. Uh, you know, it was a lot of the stuff kind of combined with the George Floyd death, and it shook the entire world, as we talked about last week. Give me your thoughts. Have you ever seen an outcry against this type of injustice in regards to your daughter since you've been in this country? Um, no, actually. Um, for me, it was definitely the first time I had ever witnessed so many people from all over the world coming together on, on anything, you know. Um, definitely over a person that half these people had never even encountered, so... It was, you know, on the one hand, it was it was a beautiful thing to see, you know, but it's still the the gut feeling of why it was happening was still there. No, without question. And and to make it one question, did you face any type of backlash from folks that were saying, look, law enforcement was justified? Uh, was there any type of threats made to anybody else in your family that you know what? Don't say this. Don't say that. Had anybody tried to censor you? And, and telling the story of what happened here. Uh, of course, there's there's always these trolls that'll come from under anywhere. Um, there was um, a few letters sent um, to the house about, you know, just like to leave the police officers alone and to let it be and blah, you know, just a bunch of that stuff. But the the thing of it is is Hey, uh, most people will never ask themselves, well, could never even imagine if it was them in that place. What would they do if it was their child, you know? Um, And and secondly, that some people will always choose to be ignorant. Some people will always choose to be racist. Some people will always choose to be on the wrong side of anything, and that's just who they are, but... Nevertheless, it has nothing to do with with my job as a mother. So, right. no, I can't be silent. No, absolutely right. And I think what you have to say is so important. I think people are really in a point of delusion. 
uh, we think, well, did somebody go after them? Somebody, like you said, letters sent to your house saying, look, leave the police alone. Uh, defending the actions of these officers. Uh, that is mm-hmm. That speaks to the racial divide in this country. That we are divided because one side says, oh, the, the police officers were justified, as, as Mike went down the road, that had absolutely nothing to do with the fact that Breonna Taylor's life was taken too soon. David, go ahead. And this, uh, Ms. Palmer, I'm sorry for your loss. As, as David Banks here, I can't, I just, <clears throat> I don't even know what to say. I can't imagine uh, the pain and the, and, and the sense of loss that you've gone through for your daughter. Uh, and, and it sickens me that people would actually have the audacity to tell you to leave the police alone. Now, the, the sad thing about your situ, this situation was they knew your daughter went to work every day, yet the police who have, they really have this barbaric mentality, <clears throat> excuse me, and they love to do these types of raids. They, if they really wanted to come to your daughter's house, they could have waited till she went to work. If you want to do a search instead, Absolutely. instead they choose to come break the door down in the wee hours of the morning, <clears throat> then it's always an excuse, well, they actually not. Well, it was a no-knock warrant, but we actually not. Well, which one is it? The, the police always seem to have an excuse. And sadly, in this country, uh, people telling you to leave the police alone, they've glorified the police as if they're almost godlike and as if they can do no wrong. But when the, and, and then they do all this self-policing. There's never any accountability and and you sit there in the aftermath of your daughter's death, going through the suffering. Then they try to appease people with some money. Well, well, I would rather have my daughter's life back than than than, 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 than a settlement. It just sickens me. And like I said, I'm so sorry. I can't say it enough for your loss. And everybody else is is somewhat detached. The federal government sometimes looking at things at eighteen thousand feet. They really can't uh, feel feel your loss. Nor do they really care because, again, they're they're more interested in their in, in the politics of the situation, the glorification of the police, and it, and we as a as black people suffer because of that because our lives seem to not have value and there's always an excuse. And again, uh, I can't say enough how sorry I am, and I, I thank you for coming on and sharing your story. Thank you for having me. Definitely. And, and Tamika, um, do you feel like talking and discussing these things? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people may have reached out uh, uh, to hear from you. Uh, and that's why when I thought, uh, you know what, Breonna Taylor's mother has something to say. And thank, thank God for social media uh, that we were able mm-hmm. to connect and have a conversation. Uh, is it, do you find that some therapeutic to let your voice be heard versus all the other noise being made right now. Absolutely. Um, I know in my heart of hearts, even with the settlement, it it was in hopes of I would go away or, you know, and and for me, as I, you know, it's been stated a, a, a billion times, I could care less about money. It never had anything to do with that. It started that night when Chelsea could tell me 
what happened to my daughter. When no one chose to, I, I stood there for hours to try to figure out what happened that night. I left the scene after 12, 13 hours, still not knowing what happened that night. And there were over 100 officers that could have told me what happened that night, and no one chose to. And a lot of that has to do with qualified immunity. That's their thing. So they have no, there's no repercussion for their actions. So even in that night, the way they handled that situation was poorly. It's been noted a hundred things that they did wrong even prior to going to Brianna's house. You lied to obtain a warrant. Under oath, that's a crime within itself. Then, even in your 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 tactic, whatever free game going into these rates, they said we're not going to hit this place. It's not a priority. It's not a. But these three rogue officers decide to go off on their own and still conduct this raid. And then you say, I have a no knock warrant, um, but we not. But there's 12 other neighbors who said they they never heard you announce themselves. And Kenny, being a licensed gun owner, did what any one of us would have did in that situation. And, and I don't understand why so many people are still confused by that. Well, it's not even that they're confused. They're choosing to be the way that they yep. are. Yeah, and and it's the, it's the truth. So the tell us really quick, Tamika. So... Were you sitting at home when did somebody call you and say, look, something has happened? I presume uh, the gentleman that was in the house, did he call you immediately? Or uh, take us through that of what happened that night when you heard uh, what had happened. Um, so, yes, I was home. I was in the bed, sleep, because I myself had to be to work at 4 in the morning. And so it was a little after 12, and my phone was ringing. And um uh, so I saw that it was Kenny, which is Brianna's boyfriend. Um, but I, it wasn't, I wasn't startled by the call because it wasn't unusual for them to call me in the middle of the night just to see what I was doing or where I was, you know. So um, I answered the phone, and, um, and all I could hear is Kenny screaming and, you know, screaming no and and I'm like, hello, what are you, hello, are you okay? What's going on? And he said to me, um, somebody kicked in the door and shot, and they shot Bree. And, and I'm like, what are you talking about? And so by then I jump up, you know, I'm like sitting up and out on the bed, like, what are you talking about? Kenny, are you up? What are you saying? And so he repeats it again, and, and then he's just, he's screaming like, for Brianna, he's screaming to hold on. He's screaming help. He's, you know, um, in in the midst of that, I jump up out of the bed. And so I, I I dropped my phone and we got disconnected. And um, so I started. I called him back. I kept calling him back and he wasn't answering. And so I started calling Brianna and she wasn't answering. But by then, I mean, now I'm dressed and I'm on my way out the door. You know. Um, yeah. So, and, and, and the whole time I'm on the phone with Kenny, you never hear any offices. You never hear any of this. So, by this time, I'm the third person Kenny called. Kenny called the police. He called his mother, and then he called me. So, there's no way you're going to say, 
that you announced themselves. You t- said you were the police, and he called the police. Like that makes sense. Right. Did was was paramedics called immediately? Uh, by the time you was any type of emergency response uh, service called that that you know this young lady had been shot. Was efforts made to try to save her to do anything? What? So I'll tell you what I. So let me first tell you what happened. When I got to the street of Brianna's, the the police. I mean, the street was lined in police cars and flashing lights. You, it it looked like a parade. It was so many police. So there was an officer though at the end of the road blocking it. And so I jump out the car and I say, tell her who I was. And I say, I need to get through here. I need to, something's going on with my daughter. She told me that I needed to get to the hospital. She said that two ambulances have went through. The first one was carrying the officer and the second one was carrying the other person hurt. So I leave immediately and I go to the hospital and I tell them why I'm there. And so, you know, they tell me to hold on. They, you know, they can't find her. So I said, well, I don't know how I would have beat her, but I'm, you know, so I'm sitting there and I'm waiting. Almost two hours later, this woman comes back and she said, well, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what's going on, but there, we have no knowledge of this person even being on the way here. And so I said to my, I said to my sister, I got to go. We got to go back. Something is wrong, you know. Um, And so we do. We go back um, by then. And so by the time we get back to the apartment, we're able to get up through the street now. We're able to get actually into the apartment complex. And so once I get there, I, again, tell these officers who I am and that I needed to get into the apartment and see what was going on with Brianna. And so... They tell me to hold on that the, a detective would come over and talk to me, which took a number of, of some more time. But so what I and even within all of that, so by the time we actually um, get into the apartment the next day, um, yeah, it was clear that there was no attempt to save her. There was no attempt to ever help her. And um, then we later learned that um, that the, they had already sent the ambulance away, so no one ever even tried to help her. So we have an officer on the end as you approach this place to say, look, something's going on with my daughter. They send you on a goose chase. Yeah. And say, go to the hospital. Knowing full well that she was not there. Um, When you start hearing things like this, this is why the outrage is what it is. And not one person made a call. Look, we got a lady that shot here. Where was the concern of the officers that you just shot an innocent person to Mm -hmm. say, we need help. Get a bus out here. We got to get this lady help. That is yeah. why the trust of the system, and, I don't, and I'm sure you agree, Tamika, the trust of the system is at an all-time low in this country. For situations like this, you have a grieving mother trying to get to her baby who has been shot. You've already received a phone call 
that they shot her. The fact yeah. that the officer sent you to sent you away, and the hospital has no idea what's even going on. The only yeah. way that happens, something is being covered up here. There's a, there is a knowledge that something wrong happened here, and we got to protect our own. Would you think, would you agree with that? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's every event after that proves that. Like every the way, even twelve hours after standing around waiting to even get into that apartment, because mind you, they never let us see Brianna. We never saw her. Um, we wasn't. I wasn't allowed to identify her. Um, any of that. I didn't see Brianna until. So this happened Friday. So I didn't see Brianna until like Monday, Tuesday morning. Like it was after midnight going into the next day when the funeral home had her. Was when I the first time I saw her after this incident. But um, so even with that being said, I asked a number of questions. You know, like. So I said that officer told me that, you know, there was an officer um, shot, and the detective told me, yes, he was responding to what happened there tonight, still not seeing the officers shot her. Um, I didn't learn that she was shot by the police until later that afternoon, hearing it on the TV. So you had no knowledge that that these officers went in like roll cops and shot what twelve shots into the into the apartment once they got through the no. door. No, what well, no? Well, Kenny let off one shot, a warning shot. They shot, returned with a uh, at least thirty-two shots. Wow. And um, and so and immediately, I never got to see Kenny that night. When I got there, I I I was begging and pleading to speak to Kenny. I'm like, I need to talk to Kenny. Somebody has to tell me something. And the officer said, well, we have Kenny at one of our offices. He's helping us piece together what happened here tonight. Um, that's what I, they wow. told me. And so, again, it wasn't until on TV I find out that you arrested Kenny, you were charging Kenny with attentive murder, and, and that the police shot her. I think what is so bizarre here, if one shot went off, why did I take 32 shots? You took 32 yeah. shots to kill. Not, no and, and, and right? not only did they do 32 shots, the neighbors clearly stated that they stopped shooting at one point and, you know, and started scream and reload and do what you have to do and started to shoot again. So there was a pause in between the shoot. So you knew there was... Well, yeah, they went there to kill. So you stopped to reload off of one shot fired out of Kenny's gun. You mm -hmm. shot and you reloaded and said, do what you have to do. That is murder. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's premeditated. That's an act yeah. of premeditation. Unbelievable. To make it, we're going to take a quick break. Are you, are you still good on time with us? Yeah. Yeah. We're good. Okay, we're going to come right back. And again, we appreciate you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, Tamika Palmer, the mother of Brianna Taylor. 
I mean, the truth still keeps coming out here. We had a report a week ago, a written report a week ago, saying that 12 shots were fired, eight actually went into Brianna. Now the facts are one shot went out of Kenny's gun, 32 shots, a stop and reload that is shooting to kill. And those officers should be charged with murder. And the act of premeditation. Folks, feel free to dial in tonight. If you have questions for Tamika, feel free to call in. 646-200-0628. 646-200-0628. This is AJC Radio addressing the issue of a nation divided, the racial divide in this country. An exclusive interview tonight will continue with Tamika Palmer, the mother of Brianna Tate. We'll be right back. This is AJC Radio. Diversity is a huge part of our society. We need it. It's instrumental, invaluable. If you leave out certain people, even in turn, really limit creativity and society's ability to solve problems. That's what we can do in the next four years. Our world is not singular. There are so many voices and experiences that deserve to be heard and expressed. Diversity is really the key to life. Without diversity, life becomes stagnant. It acknowledges and values the importance of everyone, which makes us as a country even better. Martin Luther King, he had a dream. It was for everybody to be united. To stand up for freedom together. Without diversity, there's no progress. And that's what black history is. Black history. More than a month. The United States houses more human beings in prisons than any other country in the world. This is true whether you're counting total numbers or in relation to population size. This wasn't always the case. The number of prisoners in the U.S. began to rise dramatically in the 1970s. So what changed in America compared to other countries? While there are several competing theories, a look at the data reveals that a significant part of the prison growth in the last 40 years has been driven by the war on drugs. Here's the data. By 1980, there were over 315,000 prisoners in state and federal facilities. 57% were violent offenders. 30% were property violators, such as thieves or those convicted of fraud. 5.5% of inmates were in for public order and other miscellaneous offenses. And the remaining 7.5% were nonviolent drug law violators. Ten years later, the drug war had grown, and the total American prison population had more than doubled to over 740,000 inmates. The proportion of offenders in each type of crime had also changed dramatically. The most growth occurred in the nonviolent drug offender population, which grew to a significant 24%. And this last statistic actually understates the influence of the drug war on prison populations. Many studies have shown that drug prohibition causes violent crime by leading to the formation of gangs and cartels. And thus, it is safe to say that the number of violent criminals under prohibition is higher than it would otherwise be. From 1990 to 2000, the drug-driven population growth continued. By 2000, the total prison population had almost doubled again to over 1.3 million inmates. And by 2010, the prison population was up to 1.6 million people. The growth has started to settle and even decline in recent years, but the proportions of offenses are retaining their post-1990 levels. 
America's unique methods of enforcing drug prohibition seem to parallel its unique prison population. And one has to ask, is our country really better off with so many nonviolent drug offenders behind bars? Are drug users likely to be cured from addiction by being locked up? Has locking up dealers and users lessened the demand for drugs? Certainly, the effects on overall usage could not be called a success. And yet we spend billions every year on this war and lock up hundreds of thousands. Surely, there must be a less costly approach to addressing drug use in America. Stage, and I'm afraid I'll be killed by police. Not all police, just one police officer who fears first life and thinks I have a gun. I'm afraid I'll match the description of someone who called 911. The police will arrive, and before I know it, I'll be dead. Not all cops are bad, but for me, all it takes is one who is afraid for his life, and that leaves me dead. He could have had a pristine record up until that, but if he's afraid that day, that means it's the end for me. He could have been a bad cop his whole entire career and not be afraid. That means the end for me. I used to think this wouldn't happen to me because I'm a law-abiding citizen. I won't ever be doing anything or be anywhere I shouldn't be. I'll comply with officers. But that doesn't always seem to be the case. Here's some examples of what black people were doing when they were killed by police. Selling CDs outside of a supermarket. Selling cigarettes outside of a corner store. Walking home with a friend. Missing a front license plate. Riding a commuter train. Holding a fake gun in a park in Ohio. Holding a fake gun in a Walmart in Ohio. Holding a fake gun in Virginia calling for help after a car accident, driving with a broken brake light, failing to signal a lane change, walking away from police, walking toward police, running to the bathroom in your apartment building, walking up the stairwell of your apartment building, sitting in your car before your bachelor party, holding your wallet, not wearing a seatbelt in police custody, attending a birthday party, laughing. The thing that makes me most afraid is I'll be afraid. I don't know what I'll do if a police officer has a gun pointed at me and is shouting instructions. I'm afraid I'll move too fast, too slow, not fast enough. I'll reach for something he asked me to reach for, and he'll think it's a gun. I'm afraid I won't be calm, and me not being calm could be the end of me. I'm afraid that I can die in front of my wife or children or both. I'm afraid my children will be somewhere without me and suffer the same fate. I'm afraid the police officer will be in plain clothing so they won't even recognize that this is a police officer and they don't respect him and treat him like the authority he is because they don't know he is. And here's what's going to happen if I die. People will comment on a post about me and here's what they'll say. If he would have just done this, he would be alive today. If he would have just done that, he'd be alive today. All you have to do is listen to police and you'll be fine. If he would have just listened to the officer's orders, he'd be here today. If you care so much, why don't you care about what's happening in Chicago? What about black-on-black crime? Don't you care about that? The media will find the worst picture of me to use. And since I don't have any brushes with the law or mugshots, they'll find the most menacing or intimidating photo they can use. They won't use any of my wife or children or my family because that doesn't tell the story that they want to tell. Tammy Lauren will get on TV and tell them it was my fault, or Glenn Beck or Sean Hannity or Rush Limbaugh will get on the radio. Fox News will have a field day 
with me. They'll say, we don't have all the facts. The video doesn't clearly show. You don't know. What if he was? It looked like he was. You can't tell clearly. We can't see what's in his right hand or left hand. You don't know what the officers were feeling. The NRA won't protect me or protect my death, even if I say I'm a licensed gun owner and I tell the police officer that when he pulls me over. The video will be posted all over the internet in a matter of seconds, and whether or not you want to see it, you will see my dead body lying on the ground or a video of an officer shooting me or me dying live on Facebook. And then people will say it's not about race. We're all one people. All lives matter. And then life will go on. That's the scariest thing. After a while, life will go on. The officers may or may not get arrested. More than likely, they won't be convicted. More than likely, they won't even be indicted. And before you can totally mourn my death, it'll happen again. That's why I'm afraid. Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855-529-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A just cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. Ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight, as we have walked down a very uncomfortable road this evening in regards to the series that we started a week ago of the racial divide in America, a nation divided uh, on racial lines. Tonight, we focus on Breonna Taylor, the young lady whose life was taken too soon as a result of officers going rogue into an apartment and the residents of Ms. Taylor, uh, her boyfriend, said they had a no-knock warrant, uh, yet they claimed they not. Well, if I have a no-knock warrant, why am I knocking? The inconsistencies of stories here speak very loudly of a cover-up, trying to not hold those accountable who took the life of this young lady. We've been joined tonight with a very, very special guest, Tamika Palmer, the mother of Brianna Taylor, as she has shared her story tonight and has really brought some information to us that is more than troubling. Uh, the fact that Tamika was not, could not even get or see her daughter for days later, given the runaround of what's going on, what's happening, as she at the same time is in a position to grieve this horrendous killing of her daughter. Tamika, are you back with us? I am. 
Jamaica, thank you so much for, again, joining us tonight. A couple of the co-hosts here wanted to uh, get in, ask you a couple of questions. And, uh, again, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule, okay? Thank you. You're welcome. Dave Zappolo, go ahead. Ms. Palmer, this is David Zappolo. I want to thank you again for coming on the show and for sharing your story. It is a heartbreaking and an infuriating story to hear. And I just want to thank you that you, you've taken the time tonight to share that with us. Um, I also know that you've talked about police accountability, and I know that you recently had an uh, open letter to President Biden in the Washington Post uh, calling for him to keep his promise about holding police accountable in incidents like this. I wanted you to talk a little bit about that letter and what you're looking for him to do and if the White House has actually gotten back to you to discuss what you're looking for him to do. Um, so, no, no, they haven't gotten back, but um, so what I expect is for him to stand on his word. Um, I, you use a lot of that to be able to even get into office, so um, it's time for you to stand up to exactly what you said. And so, and it's not that we're asking you, it, it's not that we're asking him to do something that, that shouldn't have been done. It's, you know, it's, it's long overdue. It's just, it, it is what it is. But, um, and I get that, you know, they're just getting in there and they're trying to find their way and get, get comfortable. But the fact remains that this has been a problem for years on hand so you don't I get as you're trying to transition but there's still a job to be done and and you promise the people and, and we're here to 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 get it and it's it's just that simple and, that, and that's something that really needs to come forth because in my opinion if years ago we had started holding the police accountable for these types of incidents we may not have ended up here today. And do you have that same Absolutely. opinion? I do. Yes, I definitely, I, I know that, I do, I definitely know that the, all the problems won't go away, but if you start holding these people accountable, I, I bet they will start thinking about the things that they're doing. No, absolutely, absolutely right, Tamika. Let, let, me, let me say this, and I'm a little irritated. Uh, the Biden administration has gone into office. It is, we are halfway through February. The, this is the problem why we have an issue in regards of action being taken. My thought is this. If we saw the violence that we saw this past several months uh, in the United States of people dying on our streets by police officers, to me, that's number one priority going in that White House. Because the, what has Absolutely. happened... The, the world has become outraged. The, the George Floyd death, and I'm telling you, I saw the protest, and they're yelling, Brianna, say her name. Brianna Taylor was killed senselessly. Why is it, why am I addressing an immigration issue right now when our African-American women, men and women, boys and girls are being brutalized by police officers? This is America. So, yes, it doesn't take away that we have immigrant issues. We have issues we got to fix. I have no problem with none of that. I believe a lot of the stuff had to be undone that was done in regards to the lack of human decency 
to our immigrant brothers and sisters that were attempting to come here. However, we have an issue in our own backyard right now, and that is consistent killing and the death of Breonna Taylor, of George Floyd, for no reason. That's priority. That should mean something. Your thoughts on that, Tamika? I definitely agree. Um, I, I definitely agree. It's really not much to add to that. Um, it's it's a bigger issue that needs to be dealt with, and, and I don't understand your lineup on how you're choosing to deal with which issues first, but this is an issue that isn't going to go away. This is an issue that we the people are tired of dealing with. This is an issue that we're tired of suffering at. So it's not going to be that simple. He's not going to have too much more time. We're we're tired of waiting. We're tired of being put on hold. It's long overdue, and it's it's just time to do the job that you said, not that you promised that you would do. Absolutely right. And at the end of the day, this is a, uh, Tamika Palmer is a mother in grief and a nation in grief. When you hear about these things happening, um, the emotion here, Tamika, around this table tonight is very real and empathetic. And we will do whatever we can as an advocacy organization to say, look, Tamika Palmer has a voice on this radio show. She has a right to speak what happened. And the clarification we got tonight on one portion you mentioned 32 shots fired, six separate fired shots that were fired, took the life of Breonna Taylor. That's just uncomprehendable to me. And no official charges dealing with the death of your daughter, that should have been brought already. And to the promises that politicians, oh, for sure, and politicians are out here making promises, kissing babies and taking walks around parks, uh, we got people dying in this country. And I, I apologize for the treatment I believe that you have received. Uh, it's not good enough. And until we come together and lift our voices and say it's not enough, Brianna Taylor's family deserves justice here. And you don't have one charge. But I promise you, had somebody walked into a police station with the gun firing shots, there wouldn't be a trial. They'd be in a body bag. Because they're going to say they had no right to... Right? So I, I think those are the things that we, we have to look at. Uh, Tamika, I think someone else had uh, something they wanted to ask you as well. We got two of our uh, hosts. Kendrick, go ahead. Uh, uh, this is Ken Barnes, and this uh, Palmer just want to uh, also give my uh, great appreciation and thanks for you, especially your time. I know you're still in grief to take the time to talk about this tough issue. And uh, the, the question, the thing I really want to get your take on is after the tragedy that happened to your daughter, how there were there was a campaign, in my opinion, to try to demonize her, almost to like justify why they killed her and, and trying to say that, you know, her association and and I, I guess the gentleman that she was supposedly uh, had a, a, a past relationship with, uh, Mr. Glover. They were trying to paint this thing where, no, there was this reason why she died because she was involved with this guy. And to me, that doesn't matter. You killed a person, and she's not here to speak for herself as a witness to say what happened. Could, could you give me your thoughts on 
how how as a mother does that make you feel that after such a tragedy, they try to drag your your daughter's name to the mud just to try to justify the wrong that they did? Um, angry, outrage, which is the reason why I'm still here, which is the reason why I refuse to give up because just that you painted a you tried to paint a picture of her that to listen to those words on the TV, it's, it, it, it took moments later for me to even realize that they were speaking about Brianna because the stuff that they were saying was not who she was. And, and that's the problem. But that's what they do to us, period. When they do something to us, they go and dig up our records. They go and dig up our, our relationships, our, our, our elementary school records. That's what they do. But the problem came when they had nothing. The problem came when you couldn't put her, you couldn't smear her name. You couldn't, you, they could, they had nothing, literally nothing. They couldn't find anybody who would speak bad against her. She had no police record. She had, she's never even encountered the police. You know, she just, it, it pissed me off. And so therefore it brought, it brought fight out of me. And that's where I think and that's how, that's how, I mean, justified. I would be irritated and upset equally as well. And they always have an issue of, again, trying to demonize a person that officers mm-hmm. uh, begin to somehow, well, you know what, they've been, they had a record before, they've done this, they've done that. Uh, but that's what I said to the, to the first caller that got in here. What does that have to do with Breonna Taylor's death? You came to Absolutely. your position defending officers, and you rightfully uh, came in with your response because that's an indirect attack on your daughter. That's what it is. And no one goes after the, yeah. the person who actually did a crime. The police killed an innocent Period. woman in her own house. That's and right. then you, you try to demonize the person who was the victim and, and deflect from the fact that, not- you know what, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, well, what I was going to add to that, because not only did you kill her innocently in her house, you had no knowledge of anything going on in that house. You had no knowledge of the people who lived there. You had no knowledge of who would have even been there at that time. Like, they did. There, it, it just was so much they did wrong, which was a, not another part of the problem there. Like, you, they, my other daughter, I have a 20-year-old daughter who also lived there, who, thank God, just happened to be out of town that night. So this could have very well been me burying both my daughters. But they never even had an acknowledgement that she even lived in that apartment. So there was no real investigation done to even put you there. No, absolutely. And no intelligence of any, but see, this is where, again, they dropped the ball here. They didn't communicate to the fact that, Tamika, what you just said, that you had no knowledge of anything at this particular address. And had you communicated with officers or people that were involved uh, in this situation from the beginning, Tamika, Tamika's Palmer daughter would be alive right now. But they failed to do it as a rush to judgment without any type of consideration before you go into a place, kicking the door in and firing 32 shots. That, that, is, that is uncomprehendable to me on every possible level. Clint, go ahead. 
Yes, uh, this is Clint Stewart. Uh, Tamika, we're, uh, our thoughts go out. Uh, we have share your outrage and the anger, and we certainly extend our condolences, and uh, we feel your pain of losing that loved one. Uh, but I wanted to just make a statement. Um, Louisville Police Department is talking about accountability. This is a fraternity, and so they need to police their own. So, so, so the ones who are not doing the wrong, they're culpable with the brothers of the fraternity who are doing the wrong. And they need to rein that in and, and, and correct their behavior. So it's not just laws, but it's, this, this is a very close-knit fraternity is what the police department is. And uh, that can do a great deal of change is to keep you in line because you're making us all look bad. The Louisville Police Department on a national level, is having their uh, uh, procedures and so forth being called into question. This is how we do business. We can't uh, uh, do the procedures right. We killed an innocent. Everything looks bad. And, and these are police departments across the country. The, the, uh, I hope that they're listening, that the ones who don't do wrong, if you say you're a good cop, and you're, you're, you're uh, enforcing the law, you're here to protect and serve, and you're proud to wear the blue uniform. Rain in those rogue uh, actors that are shooting folks up in the middle of the night. Rain them in, yeah, because they're making the whole situation look bad. And, and like I said last week, this thing is, uh, this, this, this is a tinderbox. All it takes is one match. Go ahead, Tamika. Mm-hmm. Uh, I absolutely agree. It's a... Um... I don't know what it is or why there's these officers, the, the good ones, because there are good officers that are, are, I don't understand what what is happening, that they're afraid to speak. But what I do know is they're in a profession that they can't afford to have a few bad apples. And it's no. just that simple. So yeah. they have to stand up. They have to, in order to wear that uniform proudly, in order to run a service to be respected by, you have to be able to stand up to the ones that are doing wrong. No, absolutely, without question. Tamika, we are coming up against the uh, appropriate time that you and I discussed. Uh, You had about an hour to share with us. I would presume that is still in place, correct? Yes, I got to get up and I got to get up for work at three. (laughs) Hey, listen, Really quick, let me say really quick, thank you so very much. Uh, please know I'll be in touch offline as well. Uh, anything that we can do, uh, please know that AJC Radio, a Just Cause organization, is here to help you in any way that we can. Uh, we are true advocates that fight for those that need to come together and fight against these types of injustices. My condolences, my sincere, heartfelt prayers go up for your family, every loved one that... Uh, Uh, was connected and and involved with Brianna, please know that our hearts and our prayers and thoughts are with you always. If you ever need to come back on this show, you are always welcome here at AJC Radio, and we will give you a platform to share whatever you want to uh, in regards to this fight continues for justice. Please know that. Absolutely. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you all, and, and I'm just grateful for people like you all to even be able to do this and, and, and to have people listen and care enough to listen. 
Absolutely. Please keep us informed of what's going on. And again, we'll be we'll be in touch offline. But thank you. Have a good night. Uh, rest. I'm sure it's been a long day for you, but we appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to be part of this, this discussion tonight. Okay. Thank you. Have a good one. Okay. You too. Take care, ladies and gentlemen. Tamika Palmer, the mother of Brianna Taylor. No matter how you attempt to understand what she must be going through, I call her a, a really a woman champion of courage that can come out so recently as this type of a trap. Uh, it's one thing for us to lose a loved one. We know those days come for all of us. But to have a situation like this and your daughter is taken away that she really didn't need to be senselessly taken from you, that makes the pain that much deeper. Ladies and gentlemen, we're coming right back on the other side of the break talking more about this discussion, A Nation Divided. America is in, in, really in peril. Something has to be done as body bags across this country continue to be filled. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. My nephew Joshua was 13 when he was killed in 2001. was living with me at the time. He asked me, can I go by Billy's house? I thought, well, you know, what's the harm in that? You know, my mistake was I assumed that there was a parent home. I assumed his father had his weapon properly secured. The kid had removed the magazine, so the kid was sure that the gun was safe. And he, what he didn't know was there was a bullet chamber. Joshua had this fear of weapons because he lost his mother to gun violence. I think this kid really pulled the trigger to show Joshua that, that it was not dangerous. The hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life is to tell my mom we have to bury her grandson. The pain was so great we just wanted to do something positive and we also wanted to try to prevent families from experiencing the same pain that this put my family through we began working with the end family fire campaign family fire is the accidental shooting of a family member with a weapon that was improperly secured improperly stored it's a difficult conversation for people. You don't want to ask or say anything to your neighbors because you don't want to offend them. But there are important things we should know. Where are they going when they play? <laughs> what is the environment of that home? We have to understand that children are inquisitive. They're curious. And there's not one corner of the house that they haven't gone through. If you're a gun owner, you have to make sure your weapon is inaccessible. It will save the family from the pain and the trauma that my family's put through. Because once that happens, it's forever. 
And if I could prevent one family from experiencing that, then his life will have some purpose. Almost every day in the news, we hear stories about innocent people who are returning home after spending years in prison for crimes they did not commit. What you may not know is that their problems don't end once the limelight fades. For many wrongfully convicted individuals don't receive a penny for the injustice that they faced. Take the case of Floyd Bledsoe. He spent 16 years in the Kansas prison for a murder and rape he did not commit. And while Floyd was eventually exonerated, he lost everything his family, his farm, and decades worth of income. Unfortunately, Floyd's story is not unique. Kansas, along with 17 other states, doesn't have a law to compensate wrongfully convicted individuals for the injustices they suffered. And in states with compensation laws, many of those are woefully inadequate. We owe it to all the men and women in all 50 states to provide fair compensation to those who've suffered these injustices. Join me in urging our lawmakers to do the right thing by the wrongfully convicted. Go to innocenceproject.org to find out how you can help. Ladies and gentlemen, can I ask you a question? Did you know that there are over 2.4 million people behind bars in the United States. I'll ask you one more question. Were you aware that that is the highest number of people behind bars in the entire world? The United States makes up of only 5% of the world's population, but we have over 25% of the world's prison population. America prides itself on being the most advanced and progressive nation on earth. However, sadly, we are also the world's most archaic. I'm going to give you a personal invitation to get involved with the fight against mass incarceration. Take a few moments to call 1-855-529-4252. That is a just cause and we fight for justice. Again, call the Just Calls today. Don't delay. Call 1-855-529-4252. It is time, and I say high time, that we take America's incarceration seriously. Won't you join us? Call today. When does it stop being partly cloudy and start being partly sunny? Why is the word abbreviation so long? Are English muffins just muffins in England? Why is it called a washing line and not a drying line? Do fish get thirsty? If ghosts can walk through doors, why don't they fall through floors? Do you yawn when you sleep? If prunes are dried plums, how do they make prune juice? Why do doctors leave the room when you change? They're going to see you naked anyway. Do board chefs wear hairnets? How much deeper would the ocean be if all the sponges were taken out? Do you believe someone who says they're a chronic liar? Why 
is sandwich bread square and sandwich meat round. Life's full of hard questions. Ask one more. You might just save a life. Ladies and gentlemen of America, this is AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. Tonight has been no exception, as we have begun to turn the page, or really reverse the page back, on the senseless death of Breonna Taylor. We were very privileged and honored to have her mother join us tonight, uh, Tamika Palmer. Uh, I'll tell you, a woman of courage, in the midst of pain and grief. Uh, took AJC Radio's invitation and joined us tonight to talk about the senseless killing uh, of her daughter. And again, our thoughts and prayers go out to her and her family uh, as we will continue uh, to bring awareness to the corruption, to the lack of due diligence, if you will, in regards to police departments all over this country. And let me be very clear, uh, there are police officers who I respect a great deal. Um, and I know police officers that are men of integrity, of honor, that honor the badge in which they wear. Uh, but that's not our purpose tonight. Our purpose tonight is to address the officers who do not honor the badge in which they wear. The death of Breonna Taylor it was a clear example of exactly that. Um, as we were uh, talking over the break here, uh, Dave, you had some concerns in regards to, uh, again, Tamika Palmer had sent a letter to uh, President Biden to the White House asking for action, that it would happen, that things would be done. And in a pol- uh, politician type of charged environment, uh, Ms. Palmer has not heard a word as she has again lost her daughter, Brianna Taylor. <laughs> and, and that's a real problem for me is, OK, maybe you're so busy that you can't do anything about this. OK. Fine. Let's let's give you that. But a phone call to say, let's talk about what we can do. Let's see how we can put together some legislation to hold the police accountable in these type of incidents and at least offer a condolence to Breonna Taylor's mother. And you don't see that happening. You don't see the even an instant of let me let's just make a phone call that that uh, letter showed up in The Washington Post. You know people that if Biden didn't see it, you know people that have direct contact with him did. No, without question. And that's what a team of staffers and and appointees to the White House staff are in position to do. You're not telling me as a new uh, elected president that you don't have people around you that handle, that you delegate authority to, to take a look at this. This is why elections shift every four years or every eight years. So I'm like, you know what? You said this, but where are you, President Biden? Right. Where are you, Vice President Kamala Harris? These are kids. These are young people dying on the streets of this country. And I don't, you're never too busy 
if you had enough uh, to get the vote and to make a promise, I'm, this is priority. Well, then make it priority. Do what needs to be done because are we going back to the same status quo while say what sounds good? What are you going to do? There's, I think somebody mentioned earlier about the Breonna Taylor law. Who mentioned that? What was that about, Samson? Uh, so basically, uh, the the, uh, the law, Brianna's law, is now in Louisville. Like uh, they basically banned all uh, no knock warrants out there, and yeah. I, and it's actually spread too. I just read too. Like I believe uh, Nevada is actually adopting that as well. So it's not just staying okay. local to Louisville. I'm I'm, I'm glad yeah. it's actually getting some like national publicity. About yeah, we we we're not going to sit by and watch you know our brothers and sisters get murdered. You know, by police, and like like we've been saying, yeah, there are good police officers out there, but we're worried about that the ones that aren't, and that's what we have to deal with. Exactly, uh, President Biden. Uh, we say the words of the president matter, uh, and I don't know. We'll have to verify this. Has anything been said by the president other than a blanket statement that we're going to deal with reform? We're going to deal with issues of black folks, African American people dying on our streets. Has a statement been made? No, not enough. Not enough. Not enough. And, see, and this is what I fear, is that Breonna Taylor becomes this slogan. Yes. That she's not a person anymore and that this her life wasn't lost. You know, it's just a campaign slogan you say to get people emotional and then I go about my business. No. Why is Louisville taking the steps because it's important? And why then isn't the federal government looking at it and saying, you know what, this needs to be a – you know, nationwide mandate. Well, here's what's really interesting to me. George Floyd and his death, um, members of Congress came out and really knelt down at the Capitol to say, we remember George Floyd. Is this theater? Are we just doing theater here? This absolutely is theater. This is what our government has been doing for years. They take the time to say the right thing so the people will come out and vote. Look, I support you. I want to help you. And then they get into their office and they do nothing. They act like, what are you talking about? I didn't say anything like that. I said I'd look into it. I did. Well, I, th- I think the concern here, and I'll come to you in a minute, David. I think the concern is this. These actions have become Hollywood productions. You might as well go to your channel guide and look for the next or the most recent production of what we are saying, because it sounds right. So let's just come out and do something. And let me be very clear with members of Congress. I believe wholeheartedly there are people on that hill that care. I believe there are people on that hill that believe we have to do something, but they're one person. They're one member of Congress. To get things done, people have to come together. So I, I don't doubt there's conviction up there. I don't doubt that people were outraged by George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and these people that have died. But if we can't come together and our federal government and Congress cannot come together and say, look, I don't care whether you're Republican, Democrat, ind- Democrat, Independent, whatever. If we can't come together, what good are we going to do? It's not going to help us one bit. And I think that's why David the Uh, approval rating for Congress as of this day has never went over from 7 to 9% approval in the Congress. Well, that's because the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And except in Washington, 
everything is based on political calculus. So, yeah, they might have good intentions, but like you said, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. People are still going, taking the path to hell, yet they intend to do, they claim they intend to do something good. Washington gets too caught up into politics, partisan-based politics, all the time attacking each other, and nothing ever really gets done in Washington. I don't know how long we've been watch, watching this record play. Uh, now they're talking about immigration, and they, they, they'll go down this path. They never really got anything done even remotely close to that since Reagan. Uh, they complain about all, all they do is bicker, fight, complain, and while uh, lives continue to lost, they temporarily come out, show some uh, selective outrage, and then uh, the lives of Breonna Taylor and George Ford just kind of fade into the background of, of, their, uh, of their politics. Like all the others. Like, like everybody else. And then so, well, it's gone. Then, again, I cannot say the glorification of police in this country, and uh, Michelle Alexander mentioned it in the New Jim Crow. People watch Law and Order and shows like that, and they actually think that's the way the police function. That's not the way the police functions. That's a myth, and it's a fallacy. But everybody's caught up with, with the glorification that these, these are honorable people. Then they have these, the all-familiar tropes of 98 to 99% of, of police are good people. Well, you can't prove that, and we would actually believe that if you actually took care of these smaller issues and, and they don't circle the wagons around and, and put up the thin blue line to protect police instead of holding them accountable. You would have more respect in this country if police say, okay, well, you got to go. Uh, you may not have meant to do it, but uh, you sh what you did was negligent. You should be gone, and you should be prosecuted. Anybody who takes a life in this country, I don't care whether you wear a badge or not, uh, was, it, was it justified? They always have an excuse well, he was reaching for his waist or, or uh, and then they come back to demonize the black people. They're always involved in drugs. Well, as if, well, he's dealing drugs, so that was a death sentence. Right. They always have an excuse. It's just disgusting. No, absolutely right. And uh, we're going to play a clip right now uh, that actually is affecting, and, and speaking to that, uh, the United States police departments across this country shoot and kill black people at twice the rate of Caucasian individuals. Let's play the clip. A Washington Post investigation shows that black people in the United States are more likely, more than at twice as likely, I should say, to be killed by police as white people. George Floyd's death is just the latest incident this year. In March, Breonna Taylor was shot eight times by police as she lay in bed. Plainclothes officers entered her Kentucky home in the middle of the night without warning. This month, a Sudanese-American man, Yassin Mohammed, was shot dead in Georgia after several encounters with police. Advocates say he may have been suffering from mental health problems. Also in Georgia, police are accused of delaying the investigation into the killing of jogger Ahmed Arbery because one of these suspects has links to law enforcement. I speak now to Avis Jones de Weaver, who's the president and CEO of Insight Unlimited. That's a consulting firm focusing on race, gender, and inclusion. Joins us on Skype from Woodbridge in Virginia. Uh, welcome to the program, man. Uh, so we have these victims that I've talked about before. There's others as well. Ahmed Arbery, as we mentioned there, Freddie Gray, Eric Garner, and more. Time and time again, this happens. And lots of hand-wringing afterwards, lots of promises for change, and then people walk free and the world ends up forgetting about it. 
and on we go until it happens again. Yeah, and I would say the world ends up forgetting about it, but black people don't forget about it, okay? This is a constant Mm -hmm. threat that we live under in this nation, and it is very much front of mind. We understand that though we have built this nation and we've been a part of this nation for over four centuries, that we've never been fully given the free rights of citizenship to be able to navigate this nation using just our personal space in the same way that our white counterparts have. Uh, There is nothing that anyone can tell me that would convince me that a white man would have been choked to death in the way that this particular murder happened. And not, first of all, it wouldn't have happened. (laughs) And secondly, if it were to happen, it's unimaginable that the murderers would still be free. And that's what they are, murder. Every time uh, this happens, people seem to say, okay, this is going to be the moment that, that real change will come. That we cannot take this anymore. We cannot accept it. And, and all the leaders say the right things. But it doesn't happen, as, we, as we've already said. But do you think this time there could be a difference? Right. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think so. I have no evidence to suggest that this time will be different. Um, you know, I look over the, the history of this nation, and we've been here before. We've been here dozens of times before, hundreds of times before, thousands of times before, really, to be perfectly honest. Um, black life clearly is cheap in America, and there is not the same level of justice associated with the murder of black people uh, in America than it is. Uh, with others, and particularly with white people in America. Um, And so, though this is an outrage, and though people are definitely responding to the outrage with, I would argue, uh, justifiable rage, um, the bottom line is, I do not trust this nation to do what's right moving forward, Um, especially since they haven't done the bare minimum in terms of what's right with this case, and that those murderers are still walking free, as I speak to you right now. Right. I, I, do you think that uh, these protests, I mean, more immediately, do you think these protests in Minneapolis and in now in other cities, do you think uh, they're just going to build in momentum, they're going to continue, and then if charges are laid, will that help quell the matter? I, I believe that will help. But, you know, I have, to, I have to tell you, I'm really quite concerned about why no charges have been raised yet. Here's one thing I know for sure, just based on pure, good old-fashioned common sense. Truth can be expressed immediately, but it takes time to construct a lie. And I am concerned that the delay that's associated with bringing charges is specifically because things are being constructed to make this ultimately kabuki theater where the charges will not hold and these people will walk free. Great. We've seen it before. We've seen this movie before, and it's been played over and over again. And so while an arrest will be helpful, we know the script that's often run um, in, in order to justify the loss of Black life. And I believe what we're seeing all across this, this country in relation to this particular murder is a level of pent-up frustration and rage uh, that says no more, 
And though I'd like to be optimistic that this time might be different, uh, you know, I have to be, I'm one of those people with this particular situation where I have to see it to believe it because so often I've been disappointed um, that I really don't expect anything, anything different than what's happened previously. Avis Jones, do we, uh, we appreciate your time and your analysis. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, AJC Radio here tonight. As we sit here tonight and reflect on this show, one very important fact will remain in the forefront of our minds. Unequal justice in this country is alive and well. We have been down this road a number of times, and as we were talking during the break, how many conversations do we have to have? One fact to know is that after the death of George Floyd, hundreds of video uh, footage from cell phones showed officers putting their knee on the necks of citizens. And at one point, an officer put his knee on this gentleman's neck and the other officer pushed him off of this man's body and said, you cannot do that. The question is that, do we have a conversation for a brief moment? As we talk to Tamika Palmer, the mother of Brianna Taylor tonight, obviously hurting, being very shortly removed from the death of her daughter. How many more people will die and officers continue the culture of corruption before we say enough is enough. Dennis, as we have been on this show, this is part two of our series, a nation divided, that is a reality. The nation is divided. You have one that wants to defend the actions no matter what they are by officers. The other ones go out into the streets and they protest and say, say Brianna Taylor's name. She's just not another statistic, but in reality she is because of one reason, the culture of this nation, of police departments across this country that allow, that enable, and a police department becomes an enabler of the conduct of the officers and what they do when action is not taken. What are your thoughts on that, Dennis, as you heard from Tamika Palmer? What are your thoughts on this one? No one, no one should be above the law to keep the law. And, and that's what it seems as though it is, that we give, them, we give these police officers uh, the ability to break the law to keep the law. And it's, it's not right. And so many, when you give them that much power, when no one's held accountable, uh, even in Brianna's, uh, you know, with the, with the law that, that they put out where body cameras and uh, no-knock bans are now, you know, you, you, you can't do it. 
But still, even with the body cam, if they, if, if even if they're caught on camera, it, it's already been proven that nothing happens to them. So until we, until we, not not that there's anything wrong with Rihanna's law, but there's got to be some something to enforce these laws. Well, where's the meat of it? Right to ensure that if the if the if these police officers break the law, then they pay for what they did. Well, I think the problem you have is that there's an emphasis on making something law, that we did something, but the enforcement of that law, people continue to die at the hands of officers. They said the George Floyd law, but people kept kneeling on the necks of citizens. Therefore, because you, and, and I'm grateful for what Louisville uh, uh, did in, in the state legislation and saying you're not going to, there are no more no-knock uh, invasions of people's homes. When Eric Gardner was killed in New York City and he was choked out to death for selling cigarettes on the corner. That chokehold, according to the uh, police department, had been banned, that they could no longer use it. But they used it to kill Eric Gardner. So the question is, how important is the law? If no one begins to enforce the law. We can put laws on paper every day. Well, look, this bill was passed, but our people are still dying. And let me be clear. The outrage is for any human being. I don't care if you're white, black, Hispanic, European, whatever you are. This country has left human decency and they have lowered the value of human life. And that's why you have protests in the streets as a world watched. George Floyd begged for his life. They said we've never seen an outcry that large. Will it make a difference? Somebody made that statement. Well, is this, this time the time that something really happens now? And as the gentleman last week said with us, this has been happening for decades. And it still hasn't stopped. Ladies and gentlemen of America, it is our duty as human beings take your color and race off the table as human beings to be outraged when you see a young man George Floyd call for his mother as he knew the life was leaving his body and his mother had passed away two years prior the world was watching and the world responded but what are we going to do from here we have another tragedy. What's the next tragedy that happens? And guess what? We're back having this conversation. The news media is all over it for a time. But who's going to institute true change? Demetrius, go ahead. You know, Lamont, as you're talking, and I appreciate uh, Mrs. Palmer's stand and how she's still fighting for uh, her, her daughter, Brianna Taylor. She said one thing that stuck out to me. She said, what if it was their child? And that just really stuck with me throughout the whole time she was on our program, that until things, like you said, it's unequal justice. We're looking at the the cop, uh, the Somalian police officer in Minnesota who shot a Caucasian woman. He got convicted of 12 and a half years. 
And these three cops, as we see in, in Breonna Taylor's case, were not charged. Wait a minute. This the cop in the Minnesota. He he had, he had shot. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Is it Philandro? That's, that's not him. No, no. It's um, uh, Officer Noor, Mohammed okay. Noor, and he shot Justine uh, Jusek, and he, he got, got twelve years, twelve and a half years for third degree murder and a manslaughter charge. So when I when I was listening to Miss Palmer and she was talking about accountability, these are the things. Are is Brianna Taylor's life less important? A cop had shot an innocent uh, 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 woman and he got convicted. And I think that's what the, the stand. And I appreciate. Mrs. Palmer's stand to say, I'm going to continue fighting for my daughter. And, and I, I applaud, like you said, the inequality, that has to be the, the accountability and the inequality on what's right for one officer, it's not for the other. That has to stop. Well, and the, the problem, sorry, Demetrius, were you done? No, go ahead. Uh, yes. the, the problem you have is that a culture, we've said that from the beginning of this show, uh, the culture. Yes. Culture is as strong as a bind that you'll ever have. If culture dictates the behavior of officers, that's why you have a lack of change because you have enablers in every police department from the top down that says, well, it's okay. Protect your own. Well, protect your own, but the citizens of America are not allowed to do such a thing. But why officers given that type of latitude is a disgrace to this country and to the law enforcement uh, uh, folks in this country that decide to dishonor the badge. That's absolutely true. Samson, your thoughts on that? Yeah, just listening to the conversations here, and, I mean, it is an absolute travesty what happened to this young lady. I mean, Demetrius makes a great point. Like, when the roles were reversed, there was a conviction made. Yet three officers break in, and the most that's done is three charges of you know, want, wants an endangerment on one officer. Nothing happened to the other two, and they're back out there on the, on, on, the on the street right now. I think until we have a collective voice telling people that this is wrong, speaking out against, you know, again, against the rogue officers that are out there, and until we have that, like, there is going to be no change. There's going to be no teeth, per se, to these laws. Yeah, the law is no more effective than the paper that it's written on until it is enforced. And if it takes us as a united people speaking out and saying, hey, look, we need this in force. You have it on paper. Now do something about it. Until we have that, I mean, we're not going to see true and lasting change. No, absolutely right. I think it comes down to um, voices, advocacy organizations in this country, the true advocates right, uh, that say we are outraged by what we see. And just Cause Agency Radio will never cease to speak against these type of injustices happening in this country. David? And I think uh, we're starting to see people losing faith in government. And it's when that starts to happen, you saw a little bit of it uh, when Trump uh, provoked a bunch of people and I at least carried the story for so long that the election was a fraud or widespread fraud. Um if you're able to convince people and they start losing faith in government, things start happening. Uh, African-Americans are losing faith that government's actually going to work for them, actually going to do something for them. This is a, this country is getting to where it's going to be a tipping point if they don't start doing something. Uh, people are seeing on a regular basis the inequality, 
They're seeing the manipulation of polit- uh, politicians, of the manipulation of the masses by politicians always saying something and doing something else. Eventually, the chickens are going to come home to roost, and people are getting tired and they're losing faith in government. And that's a very dangerous place for this, this country, country to be. And whether it's uh, uh, the crazy riots at the Capitol or people rioting in the streets, people are losing confidence in government, that they're not going to uh, look out for them and they don't care about their lives, uh, they, we're, we're reaching a dangerous uh, uh, point. It's not going to take long uh, till some flashpoint's going to happen and, and this country's going to erupt into and, and something that, that's just going to be horrible. This, our government has got to start doing something and, and holding officials accountable. These things are going to happen. But, but what, what gets underneath people's skin is that, well, why isn't anything being, being done about it? It's just, it's just a horrible situation. Well, on top of that, um, uh, what you're looking at primarily is uh, there was a statement made. I, I believe uh, Dr. Martin Luther King made a statement in regards that people protest because they feel their voices are being ignored. Why do, rather than try to judge people for that is our right. To say we don't agree. If there were issues years ago uh, uh, in the Middle East where dictators were just doing all kinds of things against the people, the people came, when I tell you a nation came out and hit the streets and said, we will not tolerate this. And they were forced to move. Uh, If America can get the same type of attitude That's why people feel like we have to take the law in our own hands. Because we don't, as David just alluded to, we don't trust the government to do us right. When you have officers that do these things and you turn on the news and says they all walked away without any conviction or no charges were brought. And it's not to excuse any type of violence, but to understand, will you help me? Can I trust you? My hopes Really, to President Biden, I wish him well and hope that he will, as as Tamika alluded to, will come through on the promises that were made. We've got to have a change of behavior from the politics, from the top down. And people and communities need to come together uh, to ensure change happens in this country. Ladies and gentlemen, a very special thanks to Tamika Palmer, the mother of Breonna Taylor, who joined us on this show tonight for over an hour, sharing her story of horror and grief. A very special thank you to, to her, to all of her family, to all of her friends, and the countless thousands of people that marched for justice in the killing of Breonna Taylor and many other African Americans. The list is too long to count. We continue in this fight. This is AJC Radio. Until next time, good night, America. Dancing with friends. Girl, let me wipe your eyes. Everything on me, all right. Singing her favorite songs. Buying her dream car. She loved life. She loved to be around friends and family. She just, she had it figured out. This is Brianna Taylor. Etched in her family's memories. She was the closest thing to me. She was like 
my sister, my best friend, my cousin, all in one. 26 and full of life, a dedicated EMT with dreams of becoming a nurse, a helper always there to lend a hand. Say her name! Breonna Taylor! Say her name! Breonna now, her name on the lips of so many protesters, continuing across the country seeking justice and police reform, pushing towards a national reckoning on race. Does it make you proud knowing that Brianna is helping literally change the world right now? I knew she was destined for greatness. I hate she had to go through this to prove it. What do you think it will take for you to be able to grieve properly? To know that these officers are going to be charged with a crime to be held accountable for their actions. What is the crime you think they're guilty of? Murder. On March 13th, as Brianna and her boyfriend, Kenny Walker, lay asleep in their bed, plainclothes police officers broke down their door using a battering ram on a no-knock drug warrant. Kenny, thinking intruders were violently breaking in, grabbed his licensed gun and fired a single shot, hitting one officer in the leg. The police returned fire with 20 bullets, eight striking Brianna, killing her. 911 operator Harris, where is your emergency? Uh, I, don't, I don't know what's happening. Somebody kicked in the door inside my girlfriend. Oh my God. Can you check to see where she's been shot at? I can't get on her stomach. Oh okay. Is, oh is she alert and able to talk to you? No, Brie. Okay. Police say they were looking for drugs, but none were found at the apartment. The drug dealer they were investigating had already been arrested earlier that day. Kenny was initially arrested and charged with attempted murder. His case has since been dropped. But nearly three months later, the officers are still on the job. No charges filed. Police say they only fired after Kenny first fired upon them. If no-knock warrants were exercised against people living in Beverly Hills or Bel Air with the same frequency that they are exercised against Black people who live in Black neighborhoods, we would have far more constraints on police officers' ability to do that. Kimberly Crenshaw is a law professor at Columbia University and UCLA. If you are exercising your Second Amendment right to protect your home, you will shoot back. And when you shoot back, that becomes a justification for the police officers to completely take your home out. After Brianna was killed, Tamika spent hours searching for her, grasping for answers when she finally spoke to an officer at the scene. He asked if Brianna or Kenny, if I knew if they had any enemies or anybody that would want to hurt them. And of course, no, absolutely not, I say. And he asked if anything had been going on with Brianna and Kenny. I asked, uh, are you insinuating that Kenny did this? Because he would never. And they're asking questions without letting you know that it was a police officer who had shot your daughter. Exactly. They could have told her what happened to Brianna, but they were in self-protection mode. And if we can get that good story together, we can muddy the waters enough so that there aren't gonna be significant demands for uh, an investigation. These are the kind of procedures that tell us 
that the police have too much power and control to determine the aftermath. In a failed effort of transparency, the Louisville Metro Police Department released the incident report yesterday with virtually no details, listing Brianna's injuries as none. Brianna Taylor's case is more representative of where we are as a country than the George Floyd's. Lee Merritt represents Brianna's family. More often than not, it happens like it happened to Brianna Taylor, where she's brutalized and killed and then criminalized. Her boyfriend goes to jail. The men who are responsible for her death are not fired or arrested. The Louisville Metro Council is considering legislation to limit the use of no-knock warrants, but the practice remains in place. I think it's insane. Why would you want to enter into a home in the middle of the night without announcing yourselves? Because had they done that, Brianna would have definitely let them in. What do you miss the most about your daughter? Her smile. You have a vivid smile. Hers must have been dazzling. Yeah. That dazzling smile now plastered around the country, but her case was largely overlooked for two months until the release of Kenny's 911 call amidst protest over George Floyd's death. In the beginning, it was just me and my family saying her name. Say her name! Breonna Taylor! Say her name! Breonna Taylor! If we say the names of black women who are killed by the police, we expand our understanding of all of the circumstances under which black lives are put at risk. Crenshaw started the Say Her Name campaign to raise awareness of black women who were killed by police. We think it's men. We think it happens uh, in public space when there's an encounter. And then it escalates into a homicide. When the facts don't fit the frames, people forget the facts. Do you know what happened to Breonna Taylor? But today, celebrities from Cardi B... Do you know Brianna Taylor's story, her whole story? Happened to, to Ali Wong and Carrie Washington saying her name. She motivated me. She supported me. She made me who I am today. Back in Louisville, Brianna Flakes hopes her cousin Brianna's legacy transforms the world into a safer place for her son. He's six, but he's starting to understand. He's starting to realize. What? We need to let the world know that we as black people are tired. We are tired. Since losing her daughter, Tamika Palmer has been fighting for what's now known as Brianna's Law, the ban of no-knock warrants that allow officers to forcibly enter homes. No family should ever have to go through this. Respect black women. Respect black women. It's bigger than Brianna now to just have all these different people, these different walks of lives come together and want the same thing. It's amazing.